Beyond the Wrench with Jay Ganinen from Wrenchway. Welcome to Beyond the Wrench. My name is Jay Ganinen and I am your host. Uh, this week's episode is a really special episode as it's our 100th podcast episode and I couldn't be more excited about our guest for the who is Marcus Hicks, who I'll explain a little bit more about Marcus as we go through the podcast here. But before we get on to the actual podcast, I did want to take a second to thank all of our wonderful podcast guests that we've had over the first 100 episodes, all of you that are out there listening and supporting the podcast. We get a lot of you sharing the podcast, which helps greatly. I, I can't tell you how much we appreciate that. But overall, I, I think we've brought a lot of value and a lot of insight. I know when I sit down with the guest each week for an hour, I'm always learning something and I'm always taking notes and and using stuff in our own operation that I think is really impactful. So thank you so much to all of the guests that take time out of their busy schedules to sit with me, to talk shop for a little bit each week. And, and for all of you for, for really supporting this podcast, we couldn't do it without you. Also want to give a shout out to all of our wonderful partners that have been sponsors over the course of these first 100 episodes. We can't do it without you. We greatly, greatly appreciate all of you for all of your support. And hopefully the next 100 episodes are bigger and better than what we've already done. We, again, it's something we strive for. And I think all of the guests we've brought on have, have brought a big amount of, of really insight to be able to bring to you. So thank you to all of you from the bottom of my heart. I, I really, really do appreciate it. As far as this week's episode, we were able to bring Marcus Hicks from Ford onto the podcast and talk about how dealers are, are really getting involved with high schools more and maybe the ones that aren't what you can do to get more involved. Just a really good conversation overall. I applaud what Ford's doing here along with Marcus in taking the initiative to, to really get involved with the high schools, not just talk about it. And what you'll notice out of Marcus is that he's just a a really enthusiastic, good person that cares about young people and uh, cares about being able to show them everything that we've got in this industry to offer. And I think I think the world of what Marcus is doing out there and, and kind of how he's blazing a path in these high schools to hopefully set the tone for the rest of us as we move forward. So whether you're the biggest uh, shop in the world, you know, biggest dealership in the world or the smallest mom and pop, there are things that you can take out of this episode that will really, really help you. Now, as far as the winner of our weekly higher or lower game from last week, Tyler Mefford won with a high score of 35. With that, one, I think Tyler went back to back, so congratulations on that, Tyler. He wins a $100 Amazon gift card and he also had a shot at the Queen of Hearts pot. He unfortunately did not turn over the Queen of Hearts. So that pot is rising yet again to $3,000. If you want to crack at that $3,000, do just like Tyler did. Go out, answer the challenges, play the games, try to win that higher or lower game, and get that shot at the big pot of $3,000. And uh, that was brought to us, this $100 Amazon gift card was brought to us by our friends at RepairPal. And if you don't know RepairPal, RepairPal connects consumers with certified trustworthy repair shops. RepairPal's network of over 2,700 shops nationwide undergo a rigorous certification process to ensure that they are a high quality shop 
have a high customer satisfaction rating and guaranteed fair prices. Just a great, great service for those of you out there looking to get in front of more consumers and and really for all of those consumers looking for great repair shops, RepairPal is the answer. Make sure you head out to RepairPal.com, check out what they've got to offer. It's a great, great service from great, great people. Now, I hope you enjoy our 100th episode. Marcus took some time out of his very busy schedule. He actually joined us from the airport as he was traveling for the week, but I I really enjoyed it. Marcus is a great person, and I think all of you will as well. Enjoy our 100th episode, and again, thank you for all of your support over the first 100. I hope the next 100 are equally as successful and uh, really continue to bring you value. So thanks again, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. On today's episode, I have a really fun guest, Marcus Hicks, who, as you'll start to understand when we go through the podcast, is just a a really nice guy and and somebody that's a lot of fun to talk to. We just actually probably spent too much time talking about sports probably uh, prior to getting onto the podcast. So welcome, Marcus. How are you? I'm good. I'm really good. Excuse the noise in the background. I'm sitting here at the airport getting ready to fly up to St. Louis to work with one of our new reps in the St. Louis area. So doing good. Finally got a good night's rest. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy. What, uh, what airport are you in? I'm in the Kansas city international airport. It's getting ready. It's going under renovation. I'm looking out the window at the new terminal. So, which is a good and a bad thing, because if you've ever flown out of Kansas city, it is the easiest airport to fly out of. So you pull up to the to the curb, walk through the door, checking your bag, walk to basically walk straight to your gate after you go through the checkpoint. So I'm I'm kind of sad that that's going to happen, because <laughs> I've let's say I've let's just say there's been a couple times. I showed up 30 minutes before my flight. <laughs> I, I've been notorious for that before myself. I, I yes, yes, I, I can sneak in there at the last minute with the best of them. I think, uh, but yes, yes, there yes. you go. <laughs> Anyone who's traveled has done that. So 100. percent All right. So tell us what you do. What what is uh, what is your job? So I have probably the most exciting job in America, according to me and some of the people I work with. Our role with Ford Motor Company is to help our dealerships work with automotive programs in high schools, trade schools, and automotive community colleges and colleges to recruit technicians to work in our dealerships. In case nobody knows, there's a huge shortage out there. I know that's a big surprise seeing that everybody has all the the workers they want. You go to your favorite restaurant, they have all the servers you could ever want. I mean, so it's kind of a interesting thing, an interesting novelty that, hey, there's a shortage of technicians and we need them. Yeah, it's I I think I think everybody's probably worn out by the message by now, but it's also it's not gotten better, right? It it, it feels like no. we're kind of in quicksand a little bit here and trying to get out of this thing and that's where I think what what you're doing with Ford is is so cool, so impactful, and we'll dive into a lot of that. But before we do that, yeah. I want to hear a little bit about your story. How how did you get into the automotive business? So, 
uh, a total fluke. I started off as a college JUCO basketball coach and worked JUCO basketball, NAI, little small division two. Also did some admissions work. I was living in Kansas City here, working in an enrollment management job. And a recruiter reached out to me on LinkedIn and was like, hey, what do you think about this position? And it was this new Ford Tech. And I was like, oh, I'm used to going into schools and presentations. So I'm thinking I'm going in, I'm getting names, I'm getting them in butts and seats. And I get, so I get on a plane, literally leave this airport on August 27th, 2018, flying to Dearborn, Michigan or Detroit, Michigan, for a job I have absolutely no idea. And I enter a room, I get, I get there, and I enter a room the, that Tuesday, and I meet 30 new people who, other than one guy, I had never met before. Wow. And we started this endeavor. And it was from it was from scratch. Ford had put five people out there to kind of do some test runs on it. And then they brought in our team and we've been blessed this year that we actually grew more. So there's more boots on the ground, more people working in the virtual space. And we're trying to just do our part toward helping our dealerships, kind of help them change their mindset and uh, just learn some best practices of mentoring apprenticeships, learn how to utilize the schools, how to support the schools, and how to do pay plans, how to make it. And also, I think one of the biggest things is getting mom and dad and college counselors or high school counselors to understand that being a technician is not a bad, because there's a stigma of, oh, they're a grease monkey, they're in a dark, dingy building, and there's no money to be made. And I'm sitting here going... Uh, a good percentage of, I got a tech that I know right now who's 30 years old. And he's, I think last year, his, his service manager said he was on track to make 200,000. Oh. So yeah. And I'm sitting here going, I don't even know what that looks like. So yeah, I definitely went into the wrong business. <laughs> well, I think you, you went into the, the business that is, is close to your heart and, and that's, you know, coaching. We'll, we'll talk about the technician side, but one thing I want to ask you before we get to that is how did your, your coaching skills translate to the working world? Because I feel like there's a lot of similarities between business and sports. You and I have, have had a couple of pretty, pretty lengthy sports discussions and they're always, they're always fun, but Translating from coaching to the really the business world, what helped you with 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 that? Well, one, I love people and I love students. I love kids. I love helping kids because that's what happened to me when I was young, growing up in my church. I it was my grandfather, and then it was some men at church, and they were just like, "This is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to do it." And there was uh, a couple, there was my uncle Dwayne and my grandfather, and they both were like, this is the way life is going to be. This is what you're going to do. And while everybody was sitting on the back row, nodding off, they were like, nope, you're working. So they're like, we're just going to make sure that, you know, you're taken care of and you do things the right way. And I saw my grandfather do that with kids. And, you know, I knew kids that grew up that were in gangs and they'd see my grandfather and they'd be like, oh, hold on, stop, that's Brother Hicks, calm down. 
And so he would walk up and he would hug him and he would love on him and he would tell him, you know, you know what you're doing is not right, but you know, I love you. And so I saw that. And so I, I've tried to live that legacy through coaching and now through what I do. And so my whole deal is getting students to understand it's like, hey, you don't have to go off to a major university, read Shakespeare, do algebraic factions and all that stuff to be successful. You can uh, work on a vehicle and, and be around some of the latest and greatest technology, make a great living and walk out the door on Friday and Go do uh, what you love. Because I talked to them about, I, I talked to them really big about debt you want versus debt you don't want. And so that is, I'm glad you asked what that is. Because, you know, I'm letting you talk a lot here. But <laughs> so debt, which, debt that you don't want is what I have. I'm still, I'm 50 years old. I'm still paying off uh, student debt. Yeah. That you want, you know, I have service managers, technicians, they're racing cars, they're buying $5,000 road bikes, not the motorbikes, but a $5,000 bike to stay in shape. Yeah, Yeah, bicycle. And so they have all these different fun things that they're doing, and they're investing in their lives and themselves. And being a technician has allowed them to do that. So seeing that, I just... I want kids to know it's like, hey, you don't have to have the big formal education. You don't have to have a degree. You have to have education. And education looks different for us all. Yes. How did you – So, was it surprising to you once you took the job and started to understand the opportunities that were in this sector? Was it maybe different than what your past perception or thought had been on what what was available in the industry? It was a huge change in what I thought. I was also mad because my dad owned a body shop growing up. Oh, wow. And he was like, you need to go to college. And now I look back and I go, I could have done this, been just as successful, had a good life, even moved into management. And I didn't really need to go off to college to get a degree because I wasn't a great student. I didn't really like school, but I did it because that's what they told me I had to do. So I figured out a way to endure it. And the misconception is the sales in the front, that's what makes the dealership go. That's the glitz and the glamour. The thing that keeps the lights on her, it's happening in the back with, with repairing vehicles, parts and sales, because that's what keeps people coming back to buy a vehicle. Hey, yeah, I had a great experience with my salesman, but I took my car in. It was under warranty. It was having problems, and they took great care of me. They put me in a car. I had a great experience. They fixed my vehicle. I'm happy. You know, I always ask the question, how many of you have a special female that's in your life, maybe a mom, a grandmother, an aunt, and I go, how do you want them to be treated when they go into a dealership? And they're like, Oh, I want, I want to be taken care of really well. I go, so it's very important. I said, so what you're doing is important because the single mother with two kids where their car broke down needs it fixed and she needs it fixed. Right. And she doesn't need to be cheated. And so I, that's just the thing is just changing the mindset. 
And have you noticed as you've really ingrained yourself in these schools that that's been a challenge? Or do you think when you are when you come in and present kind of the facts of what the position are that you see maybe some of that paradigm shift? So funny story happened this past week in uh, Des Moines, Iowa. Go up to meet with the school. We're in there. I'm presenting to the students. Same kind of conversation that like we're having. I had one of our region, I had the region car, which is a Maverick, and it's a hybrid. So it's this new and up and coming car. I take it out. It's very basic. Open up the hood. I have one of my FSCs. He's explaining about it. At the end of the presentation, a kid walks up, shakes our hand, shakes my hand and says, thank you very much for coming. This was awesome to learn. And as he walked up and said that the instructors all three instructors gasped at the same time and the kid walked off and they all go never in a thousand years where we thought that kid would have been the kid that said that. So that was awesome because the light bulb clicked and I've had a number of those where you walk in and the kid that's kind of a goof off, suddenly the light goes off of, Hey, this is something I can do. People keep telling me I have to go to college. I don't want to go to college. So, or if you go to college, go to college for what you want to. Right. You know, because there are automotive programs in the, in colleges. Uh, there's two-year programs. There's four-year programs. So, it, so that was just really fun. And the biggest thing was the new vehicle, the technology spoke to the kid. Well, and I think you're you're lucky from that position, right? What you've what Ford has come out with in the last year or two has been incredible. You know, I think you've got a lot of one eye candy, but then two just stuff that is cool. Yes. I, in general, I mean, between the Lightning and the Bronco, and as a, for those of you not watching, Marcus has a Bronco a shirt with the the Bronco logo on it. It's it's really cool. Like they, they did a really good job with that stuff. And I think when you're going out to the schools and can show that, you know, we sell these things, but we also have to, to fix these things. We have to keep these things running for these customers that are paying really good money for this stuff. And and being able to show and even like the the electric side of it. Right. And you, you mentioned hybrid. But, you know, when you talk about something like the Ford Lightning, that's fully electric and and super fast, super fun. But that might also appeal to a different demographic than the traditional nut yeah. and bolt type of mechanic, right? Yeah. You know, it was funny. I do these things called Ford Days. So Ford Days, we bring vehicles in, might bring a shop foreman, service manager, technician in. And so we'll bring in vehicles. We'll let them look through the vehicles. And then they'll talk about how they came through this into the business one of my service managers one day he goes i feel like i'm lying to kids and i go you're not i go that vehicle that you just brought in i go most of these kids aren't graduating for two years that's a used vehicle by the time that kid gets in there and he goes i never thought about it that way 100 so so not only are we changing the mindset of perception for students we're changing the perception for service managers and people in the dealership because they were under a thought process of well we just wait till they get here 
and then we train them. And it's like, that's not how you do it. I'm like, hey, basketball analogy. You don't pick the winning team by not going out and recruiting. Anything that's worth doing, anything that's worth being successful at, you got to go recruit the best of the best. And so now it's being able to go in and also identify the best of the worst who haven't found their, their flow, like the kid that I was talking about. And suddenly you find that, that diamond in the rough, who was a kid who had no direction. And then all of a sudden he goes, this is what I want to do. This is, I I like this, uh, true story about a three, four months ago, I'm at Columbia area community or Columbia area career center in Columbia, Missouri. Jared Monroe is the instructor and there's a young man in there and we're talking as a group and the kid goes, I don't know where I would be without Mr. Monroe. He's like a dad. Wow. And yeah. And Jared, later on the kid left, you know, leaves and Jared's like, I knew the kids had a real rough life. I really just tried to invest in the kid. He goes, I never knew that. And he goes, he, I mean, I go, that's the change that you're making, man. I'm like, Jared's 33, maybe. Here's this 33-year-old young technician who's teaching high school kids. And a high school kid goes, this guy's like a dad to me. He's changing my life. So that's the stuff that you're like, that's what we're doing. That's why we're here. One of my service managers, he had a kid who he was not getting it, not getting it, not getting it. And he said, we just kept working with it, kept working with him. It was like one day that it just clicked. He goes, here's this 21 year old kid making on track to make six figures living with his parents. And he's just like, I don't even know what I, he goes, I don't even know how to thank you. And he goes, just keep doing what you're doing, man. So that's the stuff that we're we're getting done and we're teaching and getting people to understand. You you just nailed a key point right there too. And this is something that I think a lot of shops struggle with is the patience aspect and and a lot waiting for that student to get to the point or to, to where that maybe that new technician gets in and mm-hmm. giving them enough time to to allow it to click. Because I've seen the same thing in in my time in shops where if you can be patient with somebody, especially somebody that's got a good attitude and shows up every day and and really is willing to learn, a lot of times we want to cut them short or try to get them out of the shop into a different role or do something you know along those lines. But if you can be patient with them and allow them to get some confidence and allow them to build their their mental capacity for being able to do these jobs, I've seen that more than a, a time or two where when it clicks, it clicks and it goes fast. Like they, they all yeah. of a sudden something, something, you know, something they learned just changed everything for them. And it's one of the coolest things you can see, especially for those ones that are working their tails off and you, you're kind of rooting for them, right? You're, you're rooting for them to do well. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, one of my new reps, I'm going to go uh, 
ride with. I had a, that moment last week. She's sitting there talking to a service manager and, you know, one of the things we're trying to do is change mentality. And they're like, well, these young kids don't want to work hard. They, you know, they got every excuse. They don't know anything. They don't want to work hard. And so she finally, she goes, how'd you get your start? Well, I had to cut my teeth and, you know, I got, you know, I, I went in the shop and they were hard on me and stuff. It goes, so all this kid's doing is looking for the same chance that you got. And she, and she goes, at that point, it kind of clicked, kind of like, oh, everybody's got to start somewhere. Yeah. No one starts knowing. I don't care how good of a student you are coming out of an automotive program. You can't create real world experience. You know, it, it's just like practice. As much as we try in basketball to make practice as much like a game, it's not a game until it's actually a game. And so all the preparation, all the training, all the paying attention to fine little details means nothing until the ball's thrown up and the game is going. So that's just getting the the dealerships to understand that, hey, when the game is going, that's when that's where the learning comes. That's how they become the, the good techs, you know, so. Well, I, I relate it to my experience starting off in a shop and I was so terrified of getting yelled at for doing the, the wrong thing that I was just kind of running around making it look like I was busy, right? Like, and I'm, I'm trying to like make it, you know, seem like I'm working hard. And I, I really was wanting to work hard. It was just a matter of, you know, you're afraid if you screw something up, you're, you're going to get yeah. chewed out. You're afraid if you are seen like standing around, even like at the time, computers weren't as prevalent. So if you're on the computer yeah. looking up some parts or something like that, it was, you know, you're like, I don't want them to look at me and think, hey, that person's just sitting in the corner. I'm, I'm trying to yeah. do stuff. And so I think you have a little bit of a monkey brain where you're all over the place rather than really focused. And I think that's really common with young technicians. So I think, I think that's a, an important point. Now, I want to go back to the, the school side again, and I, okay. I want to understand, are, are you working with parents at all? I mean, do you get a chance to talk with the parents when, when, when you're talking with the students? We do. We work with any and everybody we possibly can. So one of the things I talked one of my schools in to doing, I was like, hey, when you have an open house or you have uh, a parent meet and greet, I go, call us in. Uh, so in true fashion, we're sitting in an advisory meeting. I say that to uh, an instructor and he goes, matter of fact, Marcus, next week we have an open house where parents are going to be coming in. And I go, all right. And we're sitting there with about 30 people. My shop foreman leans over looks to me and goes, I got your back. So we're like, all right, we're counting us in. So we show up and we, out of that meeting, we're the only ones who showed up. Nobody else volunteered to come. Nobody else came to talk to students. My shop foreman and I showed up with a Ford Raptor and some stuff to hand out. And my shop foreman talked to mom and dads and, uh, and students about working in the shop and changed the whole trajectory of what we were doing. And, and my deal is, why are you as, why are our shop owners, why are our other dealerships so stubborn that they won't take a little bit of time out of their evening 
just to invest in in kids. And so if there's a pet peeve I have, it's that. Everybody wants to call the instructor and be like, "Hey, I want I want I want your best I want your best video." But if they ask, "Hey, can you come here on a night one night to talk or can you come here on a weekend for our car show?" You know, it's crickets. It's I well, I don't, you know, I don't have time for that. Well, I don't, you know, the one thing is you're going to find out the instructors or don't have time to send kids to you. Or if they do send kids to you, they're not sending you the best kids because the best kids are being, are the relationships already being built because I'm just telling you, my dealerships, my Ford team, we're in there. We're in the schools. We're building those relationships. We're talking to those kids and we're doing whatever we can to get them to, to work for our dealership and get them to understand that they have a viable career and that we want them. And so that that's just the, the key to uh, any of it is you got to be in front of parents because mom and dad, their thought process is it's an old dingy area and you're not going to make any money. Counselors, college counselors at high schools, why would I want you to do that? One of my instructors had a good thing. So on Saturdays, they would do uh, a deal where they would check check vehicles for teachers. And, and so it was a free thing. And so the students that and a counselor would just throw in the class. He got, okay, so Johnny here is going to check on your car. And they're looking like, what? It's like, well, yeah, he's part of this program. He's going to be the one checking on your car. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so it was just like. Hey, just stop dumping people just because you think that, oh, there's, they have nothing else better to do and, and start realizing, Hey, it, it takes something to, to be in this. So how, how important is it to be it from your position involved with education? That's not related to our program. So meaning maybe that guidance counselor that's out there that might have the same perception that you just talked about with as parents do, right? Like, is there, do we have some work to do with them as well? We have a lot of work to do with counselors, administrators, board, school boards, in getting them to understand that CTE, career and technical education as a whole, is very important. We need buildings built. We need electricians. We need plumbers. We need construction. We need people to work on our vehicles. We need people to design our vehicles. We need welders. We need all these people because they are the ones who keep us going. You don't have an office building without a construction crew that pretty much covers every last one of those because someone's got to keep the construction vehicles going. Uh, someone's got to build the the structure out of whatever is, you know, that that's there. Someone's got to do the plumbing. Someone's got to do the electricity. So who's going to do it if we're all we keep telling them is you got to go to college? Well, you know, I, last time I checked in the engineering class, they're not teaching them how to go and wire a building. So and so that's the stuff that we, we just need to do and 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 educate those people. You know, one of the things I was working on at school with is actually sponsoring counselor breakfasts. So that they could come in and you can kind of answer their questions and help them understand that. Yeah, so. I that's one one show that we've talked about trying to get going on the podcast is bringing on some guidance counselors to understand their thought process and and you know I think 
this is me looking back at my time going through school, which has been quite a few years ago now. When when I made it, you know, pretty obvious. My I grew up in a shop, so it was probably it made sense that I was going to go into this industry. But when when I had mentioned it to my guidance counselor, it's almost like okay, you could tell like in their head, it's like oh, this guy's a lost cause. Like move on to the next one. And yeah. you know, I look I look at that, and I still think there's so much of that that we've got to fight against in in trying to change the perception of what this industry is because it has changed drastically over the years. And as you mentioned at the top, where you know you, you talk about that technician that is you know banking almost 200 grand a year, there's a lot of opportunity. And this opportunity is only going to go upward. There is a, an incredible shortage of techs. And the opportunities that these people are going to find themselves in when they come into this industry are are huge. I, I mean, I, I don't know any other way to say it. Yeah, it, it's supply and demand is what I tell kids. It's like if de- if demand is high because supply is low, your ability to make a, a, a way for yourself is huge. So, and I look at students and, and what I will do is I'll, I'll throw out, okay, you make $22 an hour. And, you know, we talk about what flat rate is, you know, flat rate says, if this podcast is supposed to take an hour, I get it done in 30 minutes, I still get paid for an hour's worth of work. By the way, we, neither one of us is getting paid for this podcast. So before that goes, I can just see that spiraling out of control. Yeah, no one's getting yeah, paid. Yeah. So. Unfortunately on unfortunately on the Beyond the Red uh, podcast, not yeah. any budget to be able to pay people to be on here. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So but flat rate says if if it's a dollar for the hour, but I do it in 30 minutes, I don't get paid 50 cents. I get paid my dollar. So, I mean, that's the, that part that you get kids to understand. I'm like, I, I asked them, I said, how many of you at 20, 22 years old making 50 or 60,000 a year? That's a pretty good living. And I go, that's, that doesn't happen everything everywhere. I said, think about your friends that are getting ready to come out of the local college. How much debt are they going to be in? And they're, that's somewhere like, yeah, 40, 50, 60,000. I go, Hey, at 22, 23, you're in the black, you're buying a house, you got your vehicle, they're still trying to figure out where they're going to work, and they're maybe working one or two jobs just to make ends meet, and you're you're doing your job, and Fridays, you're going out to the lake and having a good time, and so just getting into that thought process to change is so hard. Yeah. And I, I think I, I had read a book, I believe this was in the millionaire, uh, millionaire next door, where it talks about a guy goes into a, like a FedEx Kinko's at night or something and sees a friend of his that's a lawyer and the lawyer's working there and wondering why, you know, hey, this, this guy got done with law school and is now, you know, a, a lawyer. Well, it was such a competitive market in terms of getting uh, customers as a lawyer that he was struggling to make ends meet as a lawyer. So he ended up working in like a print shop or a copy shop, right? And I think you don't have that problem in this business. Like everybody is flush with business coming in and it's it's not even um, from, from a business standpoint, from a dealership standpoint, it's not even about worrying about getting the business for the most part. It's like, how do we deal with the business we got and how do we get these people in? 
Uh, it's so important. I mean, during COVID, we didn't lay any technicians off. I mean, if anything, COVID allowed us to kind of catch up on some work. And still, we haven't caught up on it. I mean, you walk into a shop now, and the average shop is two two weeks to a month out on on work. So, I mean, there's definitely not a shortage. And even the dealerships that found themselves catching up, they reinvented themselves and started finding warranty work and, and doing that. And now, you know, we're introducing fleet and we're introducing uh, mobile service at Ford. And so that's just another way for us to be able to service our customers, to be able to go out to where they are, work on their vehicle, change their oil, provide a service that they need. And all we're doing is trying to figure out better ways to take care of our customers. And so we need technicians for that. So I'm going to go back to the school side again. And the one thing I, I would ask, no, 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 no. Because I, I, it, uh, it's all intertwined, right? And I think that's where it's it's just this ecosystem that we're constantly trying to figure out and, try, and trying to improve. I want to go back to when, when you're going and talking to these students in the, in the school, what are you seeing as their typical career path? Or like, uh, are they going from high school? Because you're talking to them at the high school level, right? We majority of our conversations are at the high school level. I do do middle school events. I middle love school too. going. I do love going to middle school. I do every year. I try to do an interview day that is at a middle school that teaches middle schoolers how to interview uh, for a job. So I go and I spend a day doing that with middle schoolers, and it's it's an awesome day to watch these young kids come in and they're awkward and, you know, some <laughs> of them have grown too fast and some haven't even grown and eighth graders look like they're still in fifth grade and, and eighth graders That's how I look was. like they're seniors. <laughs> yeah. So I do that event and then I do another event where it's kind of like a career and they go from industry to industry. And it's always funny because there's some of these kids that you look at and you're like, you raided mom and dad's closet. You know, you, you, you got dad's, you got dad's dress shoes or tie <laughs> on, or you went and took mom's dress shoes. And I was like, you know, so it's, it's amazingly fun, but it's about educating them. So, right. but yeah, mainly high school is, is where we focus. So when, when you start talking to that high schooler that has interest, are you then, are, are they, typically going to a tech school after that, or are they going straight into the dealership? It, it varies. Yeah. It varies. So one thing I try to get done um, with high school students is we do a four day where we bring in vehicles and we talk. Then we try to get the instructor to bring their students to tour the facility, to tour the dealership, get to see what it looks like, debunk the myths. Then we look for them to try to do maybe a job shadow. And one of the biggest things I want them to do is, especially over a holiday, hey, that's a perfect time for them. You're going to be off from school and you can go in for a few days, sit with an advisor, go in the parts department, then go into the shop and, and, and work with a tech. 
And so it just gives them an opportunity to see those different aspects. And then we're working on either getting them hired part-time, an apprenticeship slash internship, and, and moving forward. And then eventually it is either we want to hire them or we want them to go to one of our TSEP programs, which is a two-year program where they come out with about 95% of their certifications. They have to be hired by a dealership or sponsored by a dealership, eight weeks in class, eight weeks in the shop, or FACT, which is on a UTI campus. They come out with about six, 65 to 75% of their certificates or MLR, which is maintenance light repair, where it's about 25% of their their certificates. So our whole goal is just trying to get them to figure out what they want to do. And we're also good with them just coming straight into the shop. We've had students that are like that. So do you, are any restrictions with the deal, from the dealership standpoint in terms of hiring somebody that's under 18 years old? I know it, that's a such a loaded question yeah. because it depends on where you're at, but... They all hide behind their insurance companies. Not all. A good percentage of them hide behind their insurance companies and like, well, we can't hire them until they're 18. And so we've really been fighting that with our dealerships to get them to understand, um, you know, you need to go in and challenge your insurance. Some of the high schools have insurance that can help cover. So there are things that we, we are working on to try to help that, to debunk that. But yeah, a lot of them hide behind they got to be 18. And then there's some that are just like, hey, we're going to bring them in. We're going to coach them up and we're going to try to build that relationship. We're going to build our farm team and our farm team is going to field into us. And we're always going to be strong and and not really have a problem. Uh, Those are the dealerships that get it right. I agree. And you can tell in dealing, you know, we get to deal with a lot of shops. So I think we see a lot of this Mm -hmm. in general, but the ones that are really good at it and take it seriously definitely have a, a an advantage over the ones that don't. And yeah. the ones that don't just kind of lean on the excuse of like, oh, we can't hire anybody that's under 18. Well, you know, I've, I've talked to fixed ops directors before where we, we talk about that, where we talk through, okay, how do you know that? Is it something that ownership told you? Is it something that came directly from the insurer's mouth? Is it, you know... Was it a policy from 10 years ago that you're still kind of thinking the same thing that applies today that, you know, applied then? And so for those that are listening out there, the one thing that I would say or my recommendation would be don't don't just accept it. If you're open to taking on somebody that's under 18 so you can start to build that farm team and start to build your bench, ask some questions of people, you know, be open minded to it and and really understand why why it is and don't just say insurance okay what what specifically about insurance doesn't allow us to do it and then yeah. you know the more you can ask questions the more you can dive into it the more progress i feel like you'll make toward being able to build some really yes. really good young talent on your team yeah i mean i think they're missing out on a lot of students and here's the thing that i think is also important don't be afraid to hire a student who says they're not wanting to be a tech hmm. because some students are looking to go to, to be engineers and Hey, what better engineer is there than an engineer who actually understands what a dealership is dealing with? If you don't think that kid's not going to go make a great engineer because they've been on the other side of it and they can go, I've seen 
the makeup of a vehicle and I see what works and what doesn't work and I hear what technicians say they like and don't like. So let's see if we can do something different. So I, to me, I'm like, the more the merrier, the, you know, open the, open those doors and let's see who we can get, get there. And, and you never know. One of those students who says, oh, I'm going to go be an engineer might get in there and, and love what they do and, and decide, Hey, I'm, I'm going to do this for a while. And, you know, like I told, you know, I think I told you the story when I was working for a welding school, I had a mom who just thought her son needed to be an English major. And I mean, she was going to go down fighting tooth and nail for him to be a, a, a English major. And he wanted to just be a welder. And finally I told her, I started showing her some of the, I go, here's the kind of money your son can make as a welder. And, and this is, these are the companies that come in and she started looking at that. And I go, in five years, your son will be able to pay cash for that English degree if he still needs it. And so he actually got to go to welding school. But I mean, I think that's the part that we, you know, we just got to get creative and get parents to understand, hey, there's a life out there. Counselors, there's a different life out there for your students. Open your eyes and really look into what these students want to do versus what they don't want to do, because you'll be a whole lot happier. Well, and I I think the OEs in general, and Ford specific to this conversation, have done a better job at that in the recent history, right? I don't know, you know, 20 years ago, if we see as much involvement from the OEs at the high school level when there wasn't such an issue, there was an issue, but it wasn't nearly as bad as it is today. But I think that's where it, it does take kind of everybody working together to get more people into the industry. And the OEs doing it along with their dealer networks, you know, it, it sounds like in a lot of cases you're doing it side by side with the dealership. You know, you're getting involvement from the dealership. How important is that OE dealer relationship when you're when you're going to a school? It's awesome. It's amazing. It's a game changer because students hear from industry. And it's funny that the things that the instructor have been telling them, hey, shut your mouth, put your phone down, come dress, be on time, are the same exact things that come out of industry's mouth. And so they are backing up these instructors. And it's it's an amazing partner, especially if you can get a dealer principal to come. Because, you know, I have some dealer principals that show up, they shake hands, they talk to students, they get to know them. and that just changes the mindset of even the dealer principal because he gets to go in there and go, oh, they need this, this, and this. And I've seen dealer principals walk in, look at a at a school and go, oh, we need to get you this and we need to get you that. And, oh, that you don't have that. Oh, we have one that we're, we're getting ready to, we were just going to scrap, but it, it's it's perfectly fine. It, it works. We just don't need it anymore because of X, Y, and Z. And so I've, I've seen that. And so it, it changes the mindset. You know, I talked about Jerry Monroe there in Columbia, Mike York, who's with Joe Mockins, who sponsors that, that school. The first day I walked into to Mike's office, I introduced myself and just kind of told him what I was there to do. And I was like, did you know you have a school, high school here in town? He goes, what? I said, there's a high school automotive program. He goes, I have no idea. I go, well, I got a meeting today at one. 
He goes, mind if I join you? I go, I would love it. He dropped what he was doing and went to the shop and walked in the shop. And ever since then, he and Jared, they they include me, but I don't do a lot. They do it all. They converse. They talk. Matter of fact, because of Mike, Jared started his nonprofit. And so that's that's the game changer. That's and and Mike will go into the advisory meetings and he'll be the bad guy for him. And he'll tell him, you need to do this. You need to help him here. If you don't have this or if you're not getting him here, you're not helping him. And so that is the good thing, because that's the other part that we're doing. We're sitting on advisory meetings and we're telling him, hey, you know, they're asking questions. We're like, "Uh, you don't need that, but you do need this. This is where the future is. This is, hey, you know, we can come in and we can talk with you and maybe we can figure something out to help you get one. Well, and kudos to that dealer principal for picking up and going with you that day, right? Because that that is something that will have an impact on that business in particular for years, if not decades to come, because you grew that relationship with the school. And now you've got a pipeline and a relationship with a school. And you're not just asking for stuff, you're going out and helping them with stuff. And that's you want schools to look at you in a different light. Be present. And yeah. you just I mean, the way that you coordinated that and set that up and then having a dealer principal that was willing to just pick up and go. That's cool, man. I mean, and, and the f- good thing about it is they do three or four events a year where Mike is in front of the students or parents. He always does the parent night at the beginning of the school year when the students, parents come in and get introduced, Mike is right there, introducing himself to parents, telling them about a career path, talking about how good of an instructor Jared is, and it makes a huge difference. And he's just one of those guys, he's doing it right, and he's a dealer of choice because of of how active he is. I love it. That's what it's all about right there. I mean, it's if we can get more more of the industry across the country to do that exact scenario where the dealer principal walks in or that that small business owner walks in and has a presence within the school and knows the instructor's name can talk to them about hey how's the class looking this year you know you know and instructors are pretty open like they'll they'll tell you you know mm-hmm. ah, this you know this year's class is great or this year's class is struggling to get off the floor a little bit like we we they'll give you some idea of what the class is like and yep. and then it opens up opportunities for you to figure out how you can help build a stronger program and that's really i mean at the end of the day that's what's going to fix this thing this that's what's going to help us all get more really quality talent into this business yeah that's it's it's so awesome when you see the relationships take off. I have another dealership off in Salina that we were scheduled to go meet with the dealership or we were, the dealership was scheduled to go meet with the school. And it was funny when I went into the dealership, he goes, oh yeah, I have, I'm going over there early because they, they're having a problem and I'm going to go see if I can help them. And so he goes there and they go off and work on this this project, and then we sit down and we talk about the relationship. and And it was it was an amazing thing. And next thing you know, that relationship flour- flourishes, and he's got three or four guys that are are working in the dealership 
that are from that program. And it's also another deal where every year when they go through their hybrid section, he brings over two hybrid vehicles and leaves them for two weeks for them to do that, that section. So, I mean, that's, that's the stuff. If you want to know what schools need, they need you to be present and involved. They need you to listen and be able to say, Hey, you know what? I am not too busy. And I, that's one thing I tell, I, I'll sit there with a, uh, a dealer principal with service manager and fix ops director. And I'll look at him. I'll say, Hey, I, when I ask them to be in an event, I I'm not here to hear on the day of the event. Oh, I need him to stay because of X, Y, and Z. No, we made a commitment. We're going to follow through. So you guys need to figure it out. Now I'm like, I, and I'm not so insensitive that, I won't hog all their time. I'm like, hey, I'll make sure we get in, do what we need to do. Uh, during a break, hey, go take phone calls. Or if you need to run back to the shop and handle something, run back to the shop and handle something. And even if you come back a little late, that's okay. Do what you need to do. And so those are the things that you know we're we're doing. And I, there are, like I said, there's 31 of us doing this. And I'm just the amateur amongst a bunch of people who do it great because I, 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 I'm on a team with some great people that are, are very smart and they all have their different way of doing it, but they all get it done. Yeah. And it stems from caring. And it, I think when looking at your background that we talked about at the beginning to how it correlates to how you're helping this industry out and Ford Motor Company and, and really taking pride in it, I think you're you're probably at the top of the list in terms of people that are doing it the right way. So we, we appreciate it and appreciate you kind of sharing how you're working with these schools and really some of the specific stories and examples of things that you've done to, to help kind of drive more people into the business because you're, you're killing it. You're doing a great job out there. Well, I'm going to issue a challenge. I'm going to issue a challenge to other OEMs and private shops Get off your butts and start helping our schools. Start helping our kids. Stop trying to poach kids and actually start to help. Uh, make a difference. Because if you want them to make a difference in your shop, you got to make a difference in them now. Yeah. That's challenge. Challenge given. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's so important. I really do. I, we talk about it all the time here at Wrenchway. You, you have to be involved. and And you can't be... You know, I, I guess maybe my last question would be, and this is kind of a loaded question, but what would you do to fix advisory committee meetings? And when I say that, like you go back to the story that you talked about where you were the only one uh, that showed up or Ford was the only one that showed up for that career day. What is it that you could do to, to fix advisory committee meetings? It's good to be there and talk about what they need to do. It's better to act. If you're sitting on an advisory board, then you should be coming in and working with the students, hands down. So just showing up to a meeting twice a year, once in the fall, once in the, in the spring, you're not really making a huge difference. But if you will volunteer to make sure that a tech comes in, or does something to, you know, work with the curriculum, help that, donate time, donate equipment. Those are the things that are going to help 
make a difference in our school programs. I couldn't have said it better myself. That is that is amazing. So, Marcus, we really appreciate uh, your time. Uh, we know you're a busy guy. You actually just took on kind of a new role within within your division there and have a lot of stuff going on. So we are extremely thankful that you were able to take some time out of your schedule and, and uh, sit down with us and talk through this, what I feel like is a highly, highly important topic. Uh, any anything I can do to help, I'm always there. So as you as you know, I mean, I text you right before I was like, "Hey, I'm trying to get through security. I'm gonna get through security." And my wife, I love her to death because she woke up early today on a day off and uh, brought me out to the airport so I could get here early so I could get on for this. So real she is the MVP because she's stuck <laughs> at home with my two boys. So, well, it's uh, if if anybody wants to get in touch with yours, I, we'll we'll put some contact information in the show notes. But what's the best way for uh, somebody to get in touch with you if maybe they've got a question if, about schools? If you got, if you want to get a hold of me, my email is m h i c k s four six at ford dot com. Four six at Ford.com. And you can email me anytime. And then if you email me or if you look me up on LinkedIn, uh, as long as you're not trying to sell me Bitcoin, we're good. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Uh, and- I guess here's my other deal. If you're trying to sell Bitcoin to people on LinkedIn, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Leave us alone. I will second that. Yes, that that <laughs> that my my inbox would be a lot a uh, lot easier to check yeah. if it wasn't for all of those. But no, that, thank you so much, Marcus, for for the podcast, for everything you're doing out there for Ford, and uh, we hope to have you back on someday. And and I just always love our conversations. These are a lot of fun. Anytime. I it, this was a blessing to be able to do. I've been, I've enjoyed every minute of it. I love talking to you, man. We could talk all day. <laughs> and that's that's the trouble. We said we're we're gonna yeah. do uh, we're gonna do one on sports at some point, and then I yeah. like I I think I was pick, picking your brain on parenting lessons at one point in one of our conversations. So we got plenty of stuff that we could talk about. So yes. we'll definitely have you back on. Yes, definitely. No all right, problem. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. 